0: that's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads science weekly is supported by BetterHelp. here's a question if you had an extra hour in your day what would you do with it? watch tv? read a book? meet up with a friend? maybe a little nap? a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com scienceweekly Today to get 10% off your first month that's betterhelp h e l p com scienceweekly
1: Just a warning before we start this episode has a reference to suicidal thoughts More than 70 years since it was first invented the pill is reaching another milestone Starting this month in England, it will be available for free from your local pharmacy without needing to see a GP or nurse. The change follows expert warnings that access to contraceptives has been dropping, leading to a rise in unplanned pregnancies. But that's not the only thing that's been making women feel disillusioned with hormonal contraceptives.
2: The main reason that I got off birth control, there were so many, like so many reasons. Hormonally unstable, um, did not feel like myself, but the main reason that really pushed me to the edge was the fact that I completely lost my sex drive.
3: My doctor told me that my symptoms had nothing to do with my birth control. Made me question my intuition, and I was just so dismissed.
1: And while social media gives people a chance to share their experiences, There are a lot of scare stories. Ladies, if you're on birth control, every time you kiss him
2: or have sex with him, he gets the hormone. You are passing it to him.
1: Taking birth control pills can actually shrink your clitoris by up to 20%. Birth control is the devil. All leading to a rise in the popularity of so-called natural birth control methods
2: never been on birth control never
0: have been don't plan to be
1: contrary to what the mainstream would have you believe it is
2: not that hard to prevent pregnancy naturally i hate to break it to you but hormonal birth control
1: is just not the most effective form of birth control so why are we still struggling to get hormonal contraceptives right from the guardian i'm madeline finley and this is science weekly Nicola Davis, you're a science correspondent, and I think it's fair to say that you have had a keen interest in contraceptives for a while now. I mean, you've covered them in all their forms... And recently, there does seem to be a trend to move from hormonal to quote-unquote natural birth control. So perhaps you can start to unpick this for me. Yeah, so
3: when we talk about natural birth control, this is often talking about things like using apps that have various algorithms in them to try to kind of work out when your fertile periods are and hence when your not fertile periods are so that you can kind of avoid getting pregnant and then there's also withdrawal and things like that. And part of this comes down to social media, so influencers on social media sort of encouraging women to ditch hormonal contraceptives and use these things like fertility awareness and and so on. There's also this idea about sort of an increasing suspicion of hormones, of kind of medicalizing sort of the female body and... Do you want to be taking these things? Do you want something that's more natural? That kind of ties into this whole sort of natural wellness movement that's been going on for some time now. And I think, you know, videos tagged with natural birth control, they've been viewed over 100 million times on TikTok. So it's reaching a very wide range of people.
1: I mean, when you say these videos have been viewed so many times, there's obviously a want there. There's an audience and we're going to get into that in a second. But I wonder what are some of the concerns around these natural birth control approaches and and people sharing their thoughts and opinions on them online?
3: There is some debate around how effective some of these fertility awareness apps are. There is concerns around where you're getting your information from. I mean, at the end of the day, this is sort of an area of health. In general, when it comes to things around health, it's advisable to talk to somebody qualified, somebody who can give you perhaps a bigger picture, a wider picture. You know, personal testimony is one thing, but that is sample size one. (laughs) And then, of course, you've got the issue about... These videos can be filled with misinformation um, and often what's happening is that they're taking research or statements from health organisations and taking away the context and inflating some of the concerns and misconstruing them. Why are women taking a medication that increases their risk of death by something
2: they're already the most likely to die from? Blood clots, stroke, high cholesterol, increased risk of heart disease. What's ironic is the leading cause of death in women is heart disease. Is it that women are dying from heart disease because of birth control?
3: Dr. Janet Barter, Chair and President of the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Healthcare, said this is something that she's worried about and she'd seen the impacts of misinformation.
1: Why do you think that these videos have become so popular? Why are they getting so many views?
3: This is a field that is very important, very personal to a lot of people. So I think it's understandable that people want information, they want advice, they want to know what the score is. But I think why some of these videos perhaps become popular is that people are not necessarily getting those questions and that curiosity met in other ways. You know, some people do have bad experiences on certain kinds of contraception. One method isn't going to suit everybody. That's why we have a wonderful panoply of options now. So it might well be that someone's had a bad experience, they want to tell other people about that, and so creating a video is one way to do that. And particularly if you feel like perhaps you haven't been listened to or haven't been taken seriously, which we know particularly in women's
1: health, sometimes those concerns aren't listened to as as they should. This was the case for Katie a health professional herself, who's been struggling for years to find the right kind of contraception. I first started
2: taking the pill when I was 15 years old, and
1: I had a lot of mood swings, a little bit of weight gain. Katie told me that none of the usual or potential side effects were explained to her at the time. But then she also began to experience serious mental health issues. I actually at
2: points felt kind of suicidal, like didn't want to be here anymore. What's the point? Um, I never told anyone that, but um, it was was really difficult. And I didn't even realise that it could have been my pill that was making me feel like this as well. It was only when my mum noticed that my mental state wasn't very good and she said, You know, you've been like this since you started taking the pill. It might be your pill that's causing the problem. So she did what any of us would. She went back to the doctor. The GP, when I said to them initially that I wasn't doing very well on this pill mentally, they said, oh, well, you know, try and let it settle in a little bit more. But at
1: this point, it had been like six months to, to nine months, I think. Nicola, if I talk to any of my friends about contraceptives, there's often this kind of dual feeling going on that they're definitely very happy that they can get contraceptives, but they're also kind of fed up with often having to go through a really long and difficult process to find the right thing and then and then get it. But also even just to get trustworthy, accurate, in-depth information that's relevant to them, And I wonder how have we reached this point where we have so many different options and yet women are feeling so dissatisfied? It's very difficult to to answer that with hard data.
3: There isn't a lot of very good data. And in fact, one of the issues is that you, know, you have a survey here, you have a data set there, but you don't get this kind of really big picture that really answers all of these questions. Clearly, you know, it's all very well me saying people should go to trusted sources. and all that. But it's hard if that access becomes hard. And we, and we know that it has become hard. I mean, if you look at between 2015-16 and 2020-21, Don't forget, that also covers the pandemic, (laughs) so you've got to bear that in mind. But there was a 42% real-terms reduction in contraceptive spend across England. Cuts have led to service closures, reduced opening hours, cuts to staff numbers. I mean, health campaigners say that cuts in the last 10 years mean that general practices in some parts of England now actually make a loss when offering women contraceptive coils, that's the intrauterine device, uh, or implants, And of course, you know, that declining numbers of GPs are receiving specialist training. So in order to fit things like the contraceptive implant, that's a little matchstick-sized device that goes in your upper arm, uh, or the intrauterine system, that's a hormone-based device that sits in your uterus, or the IUD, that's the copper-based device that sits in your uterus, you do need to be trained to fit those. So you need practices to have the staff who can do that. And That isn't the case in many GP surgeries. And if you want those kind of devices, you can be sent off to a a clinic and there can be long waiting lists as well. I mean, at some clinics, there are, you know, six week or more waits. And that isn't ideal. I
2: tried the injection. But with the injection, I gained like two to three stone in the space of three months. And that just completely shattered my self-confidence and again being like in my late teens at this point it was just the worst thing so I thought right not going to do that again then I had the implant which eh, not to be too graphic but I basically did not stop bleeding it
1: was just constant as you can imagine Katie wasn't keen on keeping the implant, which was making her bleed constantly for months and months. So once again, she went back to her GP to find out what she could do. Then it was, you can't
2: come to us for that. You have to go to the sexual health clinic because the sexual health clinic only insert those. I was like, right, okay." went back to the sexual health clinic and then they said, yeah, we're not going to take it out now because you've only had this at this point, six months, I think. And we like to give it around 18 months for it to properly settle into your body. I was in my early 20s, like very early. I think I was 20 and so still kind of hadn't built up the confidence to be able to advocate for myself and say, no, I need this out because I do not feel okay on it. I felt very helpless and, yeah, just, just very small.
1: PT's experience shows how there are challenges in not just getting information and then being heard, but with access as well. And these issues are far worse for certain groups of people. Back to Nicola.
3: Studies have shown that in the poorest areas, in areas with highest ethnic minorities, they're going to have the lowest access to contraceptives. And... I think that that's really important because, you know, when you put these barriers in place, it's really hard for people to overcome those sometimes. It's all very well if you, you know, have the ability to switch around your work plan, to take that appointment quickly when it pops up in six weeks' time, to plan that far in ahead, to get across town to the clinic to go and get it. But not everyone has that kind of ability to meet those kinds of, of demands.
1: You know, as you mentioned, if you manage to get that coveted GP appointment, you might only have 10 minutes to talk through your options and maybe what's going right, what's going wrong. It's not a lot of time. Absolutely. And I think that having those
3: discussions is something which is very personal, can take a bit of time to tease out what it is that you want. I mean, even if you say, I want the pill, you know, there isn't. The pill. In fact, it's one of my personal bugbears is that people use the pill like it's one thing. There are lots of different forms of pill-based hormonal contraceptive. You know, you've got the combined pill, which contains progestogen and oestrogen. You've got progestogen only pills. You've got different ways of taking them. So these ways of using the pills, the different brands, the different types, the different hormones that they contain. And it's, it's an evolving field. So there will be new things coming along and new ways of using what we already have. So there isn't just the pill. I mean, if people take away just that, I'll be really, really happy because it's such an important point. Taking a pill was the option that was presented to me. I had my mum in the room with me and
2: I kind of wasn't given much of a look in. There were no options given to me. It was just kind of handed to me on a silver platter, I guess. And here you go, take that, that'll do you. It's only as I've gotten older and I've kind of done my own research or I've spoken to my friends who take different types of pills that I'm aware that there are different types of pills and as to why there are different types of pills.
1: Nicola, we've run through a lot of the issues going on with contraceptives, but can we actually see the impact of them?
3: One thing we can look at is the rate of abortions. And we do know that in 2021, abortions rose to their highest level since the introduction of the Abortion Act in 1967. And experts have said that the cost of living will be playing a part in this. You know, some people, very sadly, they might want that pregnancy but feel that they can't go through with it. But also, you know, they've also said that access to contraception has to be improved. But really, you know, access, training, you know, these things are all funding, if you don't have the funding, if you don't have the services there, people can't use them. So that's absolutely fundamental. And it's worth noting, contraception is the single most cost-effective health intervention. Every £1 invested in the provision of long-acting reversible contraceptives in primary care creates £48 in savings for both the NHS and the wider system over 10 years. This is not some kind of nice bolt-on. This is fundamental health care.
1: As Nicola says, birth control makes a huge difference to health. Which is why experts have recently been calling for better provision of all kinds of contraception, as well as counselling to ensure women's needs finally get met. And while pills are about to be made available for free via English High Street Pharmacies from this month, more needs to be done so people actually get what they want. Katie? I do worry that there may be young girls out there who
2: aren't given the choice Who are just given something that you know seems to be easy to give out without them knowing anything about it and every person is different and i think that needs to be explored more within prescribing contraception
1: a big thanks to katie and to nicola davis You can find a link to all of Nicola's reporting on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com, where we've also linked to University College London's Contraception Choices website, where you can find information about the full range of contraceptive options available. And if you've been affected by the issues raised in this episode, you can find links to relevant mental health support services there as well. And that's it for today. The producer was me, Madeleine Finlay, with production assistance from Estelle Uber. The sound design was by Joel Cox. And the executive producer is Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Thursday with an update on everything that's been happening at COP28 in Dubai. See you then.
0: This is The Guardian.